Welcome to the Sensory Kitchen. This podcast inspires you to cook with heart, trust, and instinct. We explore how cooking with your senses and memory creates food that is more than just a meal. It's a transportive experience. I am your host, Sumaya Usmani. Today's guest needs not a lot of introduction. This food writer and actress has been bringing Indian cuisine to our tables for decades. We are honored to be joined by Madhur Jafri. Madhur's life has always been about food and flavor. No other person would understand the concept of andaza, which is the South Asian concept of cooking with your senses and estimation, as well as her. Welcome, Madhur. Hi, it's wonderful to join you. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, I know that you grew up in Delhi and you were probably surrounded by all sorts of sights and flavors and smells and ingredients. Tell me a little bit about your first strongest memory of food or spices that really inspire your cooking or really make you think of home. Well, there are several aspects to this. You know, when you are a kid, when you're a baby, you can't eat uh, a lot of the things that grown-ups can eat because they're eating, in India particularly, they're eating hot and spicy food. And as very small children, you don't get that. And I think a lot of the world doesn't understand that. They assume that the minute we're born, chilies are put in our mouths. And, uh, we sort of grew up used to eating that. We don't. But something develops as we watch and there are several aspects to this business of cooking with estimation and balance and proportion. And it all has to do with all our senses, not just the senses that are in the mouth, but the, all other senses. And in, in, this includes memory. And you watch your elders, and it's what's going on in your brain. You want to eat like they eat, but somehow you can't eat the hot spicy food. So this desire, desire is very important. A desire grows inside you that one day I will eat those things. And you wash them and smell them. You can't taste them at this point. Or you do and you, you get very upset because it's too hot and you can't bear it. Yeah. But you want it one day. And this, as this desire grows, uh, I know what happened to me. At maybe two, I could be very hot food. But by three and four, I had been watching the Arabs. So what we started doing was go out into the garden where we had uh, mangoes growing. And when mangoes are green, that's when we pickle them. So we have our wonderful pickled mangoes. Mm. But it also, you can eat them because they're very sour. So we would take in our hands. And this, you learn by watching your elders. You took salt. Very important when you're eating something sour. You took uh, red chili powder in it a little bit and ground cumin because you saw your elders doing that. And you turn this in your hot little hand and read it as pitch. And we plant the trees and the older children, older cousins of mine would peel the mangoes and cut them and give them to us and we would dip it in this little... It wasn't a sauce, it was a powder in our hands. And mm-hmm. eat it and feel we'd grown up, we were <laughs> heaven. All these sensations died to spices and contrast, sour and uh, salty. 
guns were the very first we, we learned. Mm-hmm. And I think you're so right. And I think that's the beauty of trying to cook or recreate something. It's about getting a balance of flavor on your on your tongue. And as that balance develops, you uh, it clicks in little memories, like they slot in. And suddenly all those flavors in your mouth, they, they bring back that, that flavor that reminds you of whatever memory it may be. Right. And I always say, that what happens is that these taste sensations grow into your brain. It's like mm-hmm. a computer. It really is. Mm-hmm. So they get checked in into the computer. You have a little file <laughs> that now tells you what salt is like, what cumin is like, what chilies are like. And all these memories locked in. And you draw upon them at will of what you want, little bits and pieces that you want to put together as you go on in life and you come across new foods. How do you cook them? How long do you cook them? All this is kind of a memory, a taste memory that follows you and then you draw on it. Exactly. And and so that's that brings me back to another question that I really find interesting is that when say, for example, when if you cook food that you may not have grown up with and food that you have probably experienced in your life later on, how do you use those memories of things and balances of flavor that you learned in your childhood? How do you translate them into a into a new cuisine? It's, you know, it's very easy. Take Italian food. So let's say you're making a very simple pasta with tomato sauce. Mm-hmm. Now, tomato sauce is a minefield, <laughs> because there are all kinds of tomatoes. Whether you use them from a tin or you use them fresh, they can be watery, they can be sour, they can be uh, bland, they can have all kinds of qualities to them that you might want to affect in some way. How much do you boil them down? You put a little sugar. If you're using tin tomatoes, are they the best kind? Which are the best kind? And how much do you cook them down? How thick do you make it? Mm. What are you feeling like? Are you feeling like a watery tomato sauce? That thing? Are you feeling like a thickened tomato sauce? Do you want to add basil? Do you want the touch of basil in it as well? So the Italian food, I was thinking about it, that the similarities to Indian food are right there because mm-hmm. we have the same balance to consider all the time. Greek food is the same. We have the same balances to consider, the same memory to consider. And when I'm making Italian food, for example, or Greek food, I will remember my Indian yes. memories. They will come back to me. But also memories of Exactly. And this is this is what I feel. I, even when I cook, this is how I, how I look at food. I, I sort of just feel that I have um, created something from memory, but it's actually uh, coming from completely somewhere else. So, Madhur, tell me, uh, 
did when you were when you had uh, you know you moved to from India to to the UK uh, your you know you say that you you always sort of learned to really cook when you moved uh, to the UK now tell me a little bit about how you created those recipes I know that the story is that you had um, you asked your mother and on letters you learned recipes uh, but when you got these recipes obviously knowing any South Asian mum uh, the recipes would never have you know ingredient uh, measurements on them uh, how did you did you use the concept of cooking with estimation and andaza to create those recipes how did you did you taste exactly. yeah Tell me. So, you know, what happened is I did write to my mother and I said, teach me how to cook. And she sent three line recipes. It would be <laughs> like, take a little bit of uh, oil or whatever, put it in the pan, put some ginger, cut up the uh, cauliflower and put it in and bruno it, which is sort of brown. <laughs> right and then put salt and this and that. And, and that was it. That was the recipe. <laughs> so what happened, as I analyzed it later, as I was making it then, I wasn't analyzing anything, I was just doing it, and I didn't know why I was doing what. But later on, I analyzed what I did. So obviously, I remembered the taste exactly. It came back to me, because mm. I, that's why I wanted the recipe. I could taste it, and I couldn't get it anywhere, and the only way to get it was to make it. So, <laughs> I created from memory the taste and it, it was trial and error. I tried a little bit of this, this wasn't enough, I added more of this, I added, cooked it a little bit less the next time, or I cooked it a little bit more, and just by trial and error, with memory as an aid, mm -hmm. memory was a crucial aid, taste memory, I was able to recreate the taste. And I think if you have it in your memory, the more you will be able to recreate it. Now, I have to say one thing, that I don't believe everyone has the same deep memory mm -hmm. of something mm -hmm. as uh, in the same manner. Some people have it more with hearing. Some people have it more with sight. Some people have it more with other senses. Mm -hmm. My two big senses are my taste mm -hmm. and uh, my, I guess, my smell, which goes along with the taste that creates the food. And so I'm able to do it because because I could taste it initially, I remember it in great detail. Mm -hmm. And because I remember it in great detail, I'm able to recreate it. Exactly. And this is the beauty of cooking in this particular way. So now, you know, obviously yourself and also myself, we've had memories of growing up in our home homelands and, and we've grown up with this cuisine as a part of our lives, a part of the intrinsic, you know, fabric of our of our lands. Now, what do you do if you grow up abroad? So say, you know, like your children and even my daughter, you know, growing up abroad where we've never actually had these experiences uh, from our grandmothers and our aunts and everyone around us and, and also just the community around us. How do you create that sort of link to heritage and food and, and this sort of identity through food and flavor? How does one create that for children that are growing up abroad with a strong family heritage of food? That's, you know, it's a difficult thing. And the children are left to 
rather desperate for that background. And at least in the case of my children, they want it so much. But they have their own. And it's going to be different. So my kids have, of course, the Indian side of it because I cooked. Mm -hmm. I cooked every day. I, I was a home cook. We made dinner every day. We ate dinner together. We aren't like families. I wasn't. I never sent for anything. I didn't come from takeouts and takeaways. It was made at home. And I would ask them to join me if I was making Indian uh, breads like puris or uh, chapatis or whatever, parathas. I would say, come help me roll out. Mm -hmm. So uh, that tradition, but in a very small way, passed on. But as they grew up and as they became teenagers and young married people, they learned the American culture, which is a very vast one. It has a lot of Mexican in it now. Mm -hmm. So the kids all have that Mexican feel. And naturally, they love Italian food. They love all, all the other cuisines, Japanese food, which there is a lot of in the city. There's a lot of Korean food. So these are, they're very closely allied relative foods that they also ate. So their world is a slightly different world. But we can't help that. We, they have to live true to what they have been exposed to. And that's what they have in their memories. And my grandkids, they all cook. My grandkids love to cook too. And in fact, one of them is <laughs> is actually doing a, a video uh, that he prepares for, for YouTube. So, you know, they're active in the world of cooking. But my grandson's videos are international, totally. <laughs> He's doing one dish from every country in the world. He's doing, a, I think he's doing about 100 dishes. And each one is going to be from a different country. So their scope, their dream is larger mm -hmm. because they're exposed to much more. Yeah. And I think that is the beauty of food. Now it is so international, so global. Everybody wants to know about every cuisine. Now, Mother, I just want to know that, you know, everyone, when they when they try to, uh, you know, experiment Indian food, they always get very intimidated by spices. And to us, you know, who cook Indian and South Asian food, we it comes quite naturally to us. We know cumin will add some earthiness. We know that, you know, cardamom will bring some astringency and floral flavor to the food. But how do you encourage or how do you give people the tools to understand um, not how not to be intimidated by spice? What are your sort of key things that you would say to someone who was about to experiment with spices in, Indian, in an Indian repertoire? I think that is a real problem mm -hmm. because they get intimidated. They get worried. Once they have to put in more than three or four spices, <laughs> Oh my God, I'm not going to understand this. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> I can't do it. I said, I always say, calm down. <laughs> if you can put one spice in, yeah. you can put five spices in. What's the difference? Mm -hmm. You put in one, okay? You put in two, three, and four. <laughs> and the measurements are all given to you in a recipe. Just put them in. Don't be afraid. Uh, and I think that that intimidation plays a big part. And look at a recipe. 
and look at the length of it. They <laughs> say, oh, I can't do this. But I keep trying to hold their hands and say, come along, come along. You can do this. Just don't think of the numbers. Just think of the flavors. And just add them as you would add salt or pepper. Just add them. Just put them in the pot when I tell you to put them. <laughs> I'll hold your hand. And it will go fine. It won't take any longer because how much longer does it take you to put two? Exactly. <laughs> so it's just a matter of giving them, the reader, mm-hmm. a little bit of confidence. And I know that I, a lot of people have started cooking Indian food uh, who have read my recipes. Mm-hmm. Because you have to make sure that the end result is something that they will enjoy. Yeah. And if they come to the end of this and they love it, they will make it again. Mm-hmm. They will maybe make only two or three dishes to begin with, and that's what I tell them. I said, don't, for heaven's sake, try and make a full Indian meal. <laughs> you know, the way Indians do. Don't have ten things the way I have them. <laughs> I kill myself each time I do it the Indian <laughs> way, and I have ten things. And there's no need for me either to do that. I still haven't learned that lesson. <laughs> but just, just to cook a few things, cook dal. And there again, you have a few things to worry about. How old is the dal? Mm-hmm. How long have you had it? And you have to cook it with all these things in mind. Yeah. And when it's done and it's perfect, there's nothing like it to have with either rice or chapati, depending on which dal it is. Exactly. And some Indian pickle and some yogurt. and You need nothing else. Exactly. You can make a vegetable. That's it. That's it. If it's a good dal, like a kali dal and you have mm. it with a uh, bread, a chapati, and then you have some dahi and pickle with it, and maybe a salad. Mm-hmm. My God, what else do you need? <laughs> Agreed. So, Madhur, I'd like to end by just asking you, taking you back down memory lane and asking you if you were to go back and close your eyes and think of the one dish that defines your childhood in Delhi, what would it be? Well, it would be something that the West is not very familiar with. It would be this category of food called chaat. Mm. Because it's something that is the epitome, the height of collecting flavors of the most varied and extreme sorts in one or two or three or four dishes. And they are all highly savory, highly uh, heated up with chilies. They can be fried, they can be boiled and and put together. But it's chaat is street food, basically of a certain kind. Mm -hmm. But it's a category of food with extremes of flavors. And I think there's no Indian who doesn't long for this category of food. Officially street food, but every home makes it as well. And it's called chaat. I would agree. Chaat is definitely that reminiscent sort of flavor of childhood. Um, and, and I think that you, right. no matter where you go, you can never get the chaat that you got when you were a child at the, on the street side. Exactly. <laughs> I can still taste the dai yes. so These are little dumplings put in yogurt. But the yogurt has uh, the... Uh, is a sauce, and then there's a, another sauce put on top, which is a tamarind sauce. Mm. So 
one is a sour sauce and one is a sweet sauce. And these extreme flavors make us go wild. <laughs> Thank you so much, Madhu. That was so lovely to speak to you about Andaza, cooking from your Thank memories. You. Um, I really enjoyed that. I really uh, think that our listeners would love hearing from you. Um, so thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sumaya.